0: The fans who want to keep pounding. we the, 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 the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, this is this, this this is views is from Mint Street. From'> <Horsecandoon> now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode one of our brand new podcast, Views from Mint Street, a podcast dedicated exclusively to the Carolina Panthers and exclusively to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are glad to have you and look forward to chatting silver and blue pigskin with you week in and week out all season long. Heck, all the way through the offseason. My name is Rob Brown. The 2022 South Carolina Broadcasters Association Sports Talk Radio Show of the Year was hosted by me and the gentleman sitting next-ish to me, Right across the metaphorical glass, he is my executive producer and co-host on our regular show, The Rob Brown Show, now my executive producer and co-host here on Views from Main Street, Lonzo Reitzel. We are thrilled to have you guys. We are gonna be going to uh, be uh, going on with this podcast starting this week. We'll be on twice this week. Got another episode f- dropping for you on Friday, where we will take a look at the final preseason game of the year, and then... NFL Week 1, we will be bringing you a pod three times a week. So wherever you subscribe to your major podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it might be, we want you to go get downloaded, go subscribe, go follow, do all the fun millennial influencer stuff with the buttons that you're supposed to do so that you don't miss an episode of Views from Mint Street Again, my name is Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel on the other side of the board, and we're going to be talking Carolina football with you guys week in and week out for the foreseeable future. Hello, Lonzo.
1: Hello, Rob. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast because I've been a Panther fan for uh, 25 years. So looking really forward to this. From the very first time that I moved here, I got to go to Panther camp. They'd only been doing it for uh, for a couple years. It was a little small. At the time, I still have the Panther watch that I got for 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 swag for going there. And uh then from then on it grew to to fan fest. I actually got to be on the stage and lead fan fest at one point for the Panthers. Uh Mick Mixon was unable to be there one year, got to do it, got to see the um Rotund Mayor of Spartanburg pretend to run in with the football. <laughs> It was such a good time, so been around the Panthers, been able to talk about the Panthers for years, and big Panther fan, cannot wait, gonna love uh, talking about this, and can't wait for the season.
0: Yes, indeed, just a handful of weeks away, we do have one more preseason game to go, and on Friday, we will bring you a pod breaking down that final preseason game, but before we get there, obviously, over the last week or so, there has been a lot of of news out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and we will jump right in to story number one. No surprise to me anyway, Baker Mayfield, officially your starting quarterback. He'll be going up against his old squad, the Cleveland Browns in the bank in week one as the Browns come to town. Uh, Interesting thing, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. The Cleveland Browns have not won a week one game. Since 1999, ladies and gentlemen, that is right. Y2K was still a big fear of ours the last time Cleveland opened the season with a W. We're going to bring that back up coming up in a little while, but we'll start with this. You know, the question is anybody surprised by this, right? Like, is anybody surprised? Lonzo and I talked about this on our show, The Rob Brown Show here in Greenville, a number of weeks ago, a month in what, some change ago, when Baker Mayfield was brought down to Charlotte, there was never a doubt in my mind that Baker Mayfield would be the week one starter. So, so I don't know about you, man. This, this is, this is a shock, I assume, to absolutely nobody except maybe Sam Darnold and I got to think if Darnold's being honest even he knew that this was this was writing on the wall
1: there were a couple national media guys that said Sam Darnold would win and boy they were wrong and hopefully they're hiding because they probably should be hiding I do want to uh, throw out a warning here a disclaimer Uh, this will be the only time that I give this warning sometimes every once in a while you might hear something yelled and uh, it's 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 going to happen don't be afraid uh, it's something that we learned is a thing at training camp.
0: Baker! There it is. There it is. I love Baker yelling guy.
1: Yes, so do I. And there were multiples of those. And it started out like the first day he walked out at Wofford College. Baker! And then it continued. Uh, then after, so every once in a while, you might just have to yell that. Yeah, I mean, who was really surprised about Baker being the starting quarterback? maybe cleveland was like well he'll go there and, and they'll realize that he's a child and he's immature and and they need a grown-up in the room we and need it,
0: an adult in the and, room and there's, get over your damn selves there's no way
1: they're gonna pick baker mayfield as a starter but we knew yeah most people knew when yeah. baker came in uh that he would be the starter and uh he's shown reasons why he should be
0: yeah there's no doubt about that i mean again it was inevitable. I'm tired of saying it, but it keeps needing to be said. Baker Mayfield showed up in Cleveland after a year where they were 1-15 and within a couple of years had that team in the playoffs for the first time in, what, forever? I think they've won one playoff game in, like, I think since Abraham Lincoln was president, basically. Things have not gone essentially well For the Browns and Baker was really one of a few bright spots that they've had over the years. So, you know, I just don't get it. You've talked about this on our show a number of times for whatever reason, there seems to be a recognizable feeling amongst not all, but a lot of big head media that Baker Mayfield's a bad dude and that the the cockiness and the swag that Baker brought coming from planting the flag at Oklahoma up into the NFL somehow makes him a bad quarterback and I've 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 floated this theory on our show a couple of times which is that for whatever reason the media looks at football players and and loves all the fun players except quarterbacks they just always want the quarterback to be buttoned down to be suit and tie and you get that out of some quarterbacks right especially especially a number of the elite quarterbacks when I look at Tom Brady on the field, that's a, that's a buttoned up suit and kite kind of guy. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, all these guys had that mentality. But you can be a QB and have a little fun. And I think the sliding around the field on the pregame and just dance into the music during warm-ups and whatnot, I feel like people have expected that Baker's going to be more more business mentality, more of a <clears throat> adult in the room. But when it comes down to it, the dude can ball. The dude can play. And... He's got weapons in Charlotte that I think are going to help those big head media folks recognize maybe it wasn't on Baker in Cleveland. Maybe, maybe Cleveland is just a bad franchise. Maybe, but we'll see. We'll talk about it. I did want to ask one more question regarding that, and it's, it's why did it take so long for Matt Rule to come out and name Baker Mayfield, the starter, and I've got I've got two I think explanations about that. The first explanation is that I think Matt Rule kind of has an affinity for Sam Darnold, right? Like like Matt Rule brought Sam Darnold in, and when Matt Rule brought in Sam Darnold, I think he sold all of us, myself included, for for full disclosure here. A lot of us thought, all right, he was with Adam Gates in the Jets. The Jets are a garbage franchise. Adam Gates has proven multiple times that he does not have any idea how to coach an offense, needless to say, a quarterback. We kind of looked at Sam and went, that dude was too good to be that bad in New York. And Matt Rule, more than any of us, banked on that, right? Like, he brought him down at a point where Matt Rule was being talked about going on the hot uh, hot seat a year ago. They brought Darnold down, and I think Matt Rule thought, I can fix this guy. I can change what went wrong in New York, and get him right. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So I think there was some part of him that thought, let me give Sam an opportunity now that there's pressure on him to potentially lose the starting job. Let me give him an opportunity to prove himself because if Darnold comes out and clearly beats Baker Mayfield out for the job, then I can at least go, hey, we brought in a quarterback who's been to the playoffs. We brought in a quarterback who is supposed to be good and Sam beat that guy. Maybe I wasn't that far off and it just took Sam a year to get it. That's my first guess. The second guess is, I think it was for Baker Mayfield's mentality. I think Matt Rule wanted Baker Mayfield to genuinely, truly, honestly, realistically win the QB competition. Albert Breer, put out on Twitter yesterday that Baker Mayfield effectively won this job after preseason game number one, and Matt Rule just kind of held off on announcing the decision, even though the coaching staff knew that was the decision they were going to go with. And I I think it was either to spare Sam Darnold's feelings, which they trotted out Sam Darnold for a press conference after he found out he wasn't the starter, and it was like, ah, Michael Scott, the office, cringeworthy to watch. But I think the other aspect of it was they wanted Baker not to feel like he was just going to show up and be coronated, right? He wasn't just going to show up and we were going to start throwing silver and blue rose petals at his feet. You have to show up. You got to work. You got to learn and you got to earn the job. And they wanted him to feel like he was in a real competition, even if we knew he wasn't. So those are my two guesses as to why we were asking why Baker's not the starter a week and a half, two, three weeks ago, and he just got named the starter this past Monday.
1: You know, I think another part of it is with with rule was he was being overly scrutinized and and so. He should be overly scrutinized because there was uh, there was a quarterback that he could have gotten in the draft if he hadn't gotten Sam Darnold so early. Uh, a guy by the name of Justin Fields. He could have got, I mean, there were a lot of Panther fans pretty upset about the fact that he went ahead and and got Sam Darnold when they knew that Justin Fields would be available and the Panthers were picking in a place where they had a good shot of getting him. So he bet on Sam Darnold and he bet wrong. Sam Darnold, although he looked really good last year, the first couple games, CMC goes down then suddenly Sam Darnold's seeing ghosts and he's just not as good as he looked in the first couple games so you want to keep him around for that the other thing is how much of it is them actually listening to what Cleveland was saying bringing him in to see it to bring him Baker in to see if he is that guy that that Cleveland was saying he was and maybe he did have to come in and prove some things because of that because of that reputation
0: yeah I certainly think there's a possibility and that led to the next thing I was going to ask which is did it pain Matt Rule to pick Baker Mayfield, right? Because, again, Sam was his guy. He, You're right. He rolled the dice. He took a gamble on Sam Darnold instead of grabbing Justin Fields, instead of any of the other free agents that were available last year. And there's some element of Panthers fans, and I don't think that they necessarily are, are definitively wrong, that believe that it may have been a Scott Fitter or David Tepper Decision to bring Baker in, that it may not have been Matt Rule's decision, which is why it took so long to go get Baker Mayfield, right? We all thought that Baker Mayfield was a realistic possibility weeks, months, before he ends up wearing silver and blue. And there's a lot of folks that are asking the very fair question, was this a Fitter or Tepper overruling Matt Rule thing? And it may have been because just like Darnold was Rule's guy, Rule is Tepper's guy, right? That was a Tepper decision. So if he's trying, and Matt Rule trying to save his job with Baker, Tepper's effectively doing the same thing because if Matt Rule fails, then Tepper and Fitterer, who made the decision to hire Matt Rule out of Baker, they got to take some of that heat too, especially if the Panthers end up being a five win or less football team this year the heat gets cranked up on those guys as well so I don't wonder if this wasn't kind of a forced decision from upper management to kind of save themselves from the frying pan as well as Matt Rule so we talked about Matt Rule we talked about the 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 GM let's talk about Baker himself now not being named the quarterback now that he has Let's talk about him in week one. And we'll break down the Carolina Cleveland game when we get to week one in just a handful of days. But for now, let's talk about Baker himself. We saw that Miles Garrett of the Browns came out and said, Oh, you know, it's not really personal. We don't really have a rivalry with Carolina. We certainly don't have a rivalry with Baker Mayfield. And like, that's cute and that's nice. And heck, Maybe it's true. Maybe all the guys wearing helmets in Cleveland actually liked Baker Mayfield. I have no idea. What I do know is that knowing what we know about Baker Mayfield, I can't imagine a world in which Baker Mayfield doesn't have a bit of a fire to go out there in week one and roll up about 45 points on his old team and say, who's the adult In the room now, right? Like there's got to be a little fire, a little intensity for Baker to go out there and to just get Cleveland. We know that a lot of Baker comes from his personality, so competition. Will we start to see Baker Mayfield, who since he arrived in Charlotte has actually been a professional, right? We saw his introductory press conference when he was still in Cleveland over Zoom and he was saying all the right things. We saw him when he showed up to Charlotte and he was buttoned up and, and, and he didn't get the, the over-the-top animated character of Baker Mayfield. And we saw him interacting with the fans and signing every autograph and playing paper, rock, scissors for the hat with the kids and all that. And, and that's all well and good, but he was he was very much the professional football player. I kind of want a little bit of Baker the character. I kind of want a little personality. I kind of want a little pizzazz out of my QB, much like the Panthers had when Cam Newton played there. Now that he is QB1 Lonzo, are we going to see that side of Baker Mayfield kind of start to make its presence known? And if so, is that a good thing for the Panthers?
1: All right, to that end, I saw uh, Baker in a press conference yesterday, I believe it was, and they were asking the Cleveland question because you have to ask it. You absolutely have to ask it with all the drama that went on with Cleveland, knowing that's going to be the very first game. And Baker said, I'm not a robot. I am... Pretty much, I'm looking for that. It's not a direct quote, except for the "I am not a robot." He said, "I am not a robot." Yes, I'm looking forward to that game, and we're going to get a little bit more. As it, but he also said they're concentrating on this week's game, this this week's preseason game, and then they'll move on after that, which is the right thing to say. But the whole when he said "I'm not a robot," there was a smirk, there was a look oh, yeah. on his face like oh, yeah. I'm still here. That that thing's still in here. When it's time to unleash it, you're going to see it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he knows it. I think that we know it. I'm excited about it, frankly. I'm excited. I like that swag. The Panthers were at their best under Cam when Cam was being Cam. And I know there are a lot of people that don't like that kind of animated, boisterous quarterback who wears his emotions on his sleeve. I do. I like that guy. I I like that guy because he's got a passion and a fire, and he can get the fan base excited. Football is about being excited, both as a fan and as a player, and I want to see that happen. Last thing we'll talk about with this Baker thing, and then we'll move on to some other topics. Cleveland has not won a preseason game since 1999, like we mentioned at the top of the episode. Baker Mayfield, the former Cleveland Browns quarterback, the question here is, does this make Cleveland a necessary W for two reasons. Number one, because it's going to boost up the mentality of Baker Mayfield, right? Like if he goes out there, has a good game, did not practice well yesterday, the day after being named the starter, had a couple of picks, gave up a pick six to JC Horn, dropped a couple of snaps. You don't love to see it. And you got to wonder if maybe he kind of let, let off the gas a little bit now that he was a starter. But if he comes out and he gets Cleveland, I mean, gets Cleveland and has a day, alongside his new team, I think that kind of boosts the, the the confidence in Baker. But the other thing it does is it riles up the fan base, right? It riles up a fan base that is looking for something to latch onto. It's looking for something to sink its claws into, to get excited about. And if Baker can come out and have a day and, and, and make it personal and beat the Browns, now all of a sudden week two in the bank – Now there's a little energy. There's a little electricity in the air. There's a little excitement around this team. I'm not saying that beating Cleveland is mandatory. I'm not saying that it is a must win. It's week one. But they got a streak that dates back two decades of not winning a week one game. And your QB one would grow a lot if he can get that W. I'm not saying it's mandatory. It won't tank the season if you lose that game. But if you do win that game. The offense is going to be inspired, and the fans are going to show up to rock BOA the next time they're at home. I, I It's it's not a must-win, but it's a really, 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 really would like to win game.
1: All right, so this is not going to be the last time. This is the first time that you guys are hearing us disagree. This is a must-win. This absolutely is a must-win for baker mayfield because here's the thing he's going to be going up against the cleveland defense been a pretty good defense he's familiar with it they're familiar with him if he can outplay that defense he's going to look really good and on the other side of it you know jc horn getting a pick six i'm good with that that defense is going to be good imagine what that defense would have been like for the panthers last year if jc horn would have stayed healthy if he stays healthy It's a totally different – it was already good, but it was even better. So, J.C. Horn and those guys, they got to be licking their lips because who's on the other side? That would be Jacoby Brissett. So, really what it comes down to, Baker needs to outscore Jacoby Brissett. I'm pretty sure. All right, I'm very confident that's going to happen. This is a must-win because if you lose, it's not as much on Baker as it is on the Carolina defense – being beat by Jacoby Brissett.
0: All right, let's shift our mentality to a couple of other topics that I would like to get into. And we're going to start, as an offense does, along the offensive line. The other starter that we learned about, Iki Ikwamu, is going to be starting at the left tackle spot. And I'll tell you why it is that I like this. I like this for two reasons. Number one, He's the natural left tackle, right? Like he's the one guy on the offensive line depth chart that is a natural left tackle. We've already seen there are going to be growing pains, all right? And and, and that's unfortunate for Baker Mayfield, especially in week one going up against a very good Cleveland defensive line. They're going to be growing pains for Icky, but they're growing pains. Most offensive line go through growing pains in their rookie year. It's a new speed against new size and new strength. When Icky gets it, I think he's going to be just fine, but the the second best reason that I'm excited about that is it allows Brady Christensen to move to his natural spot, and that's at left tackle. Now, we broke that down on our show, and then yesterday, that would be on Tuesday, it was put out there by Matt Rule that there is a starting offensive line in place in his mind. That offensive line as it stands right now, left tackle is a Quanru Brady Christensen at left guard, Bradley Bozeman at center, Austin Corbett at guard, and Taylor Moton will be moving over to the right tackle spot. Now, Bradley Bozeman has been out for some time with an injury. He was in a walking boot, but this week he's been spotted walking around without the boot, moving around well. So if I'm looking across this offensive line, I do not see a great offensive line. But I do see an average to above average offensive line. And that's the good news. Because last year, you did not have that. Icky's going to have growing pains at left tackle. The biggest problem you have with Christensen is that last year, they asked him to play left tackle. And he did well holding his own against outside pass rushers. Usually, your defensive ends are going around 235 to 245. Now, they're asking him to step inside and to block bigger and stronger interior defensive linemen. He may take some time to get used to that. On top of that, there's been the criticisms about having short arms. That was a bigger criticism when he played tackle, but it does mean that he's got to allow the interior defensive line to get a little closer, to get a little closer to the ball, a little closer to him, before he can go hands-on. It's not the end of the world. He'll be fine. Bozeman is a fine center. I, I don't have a ton of complaints about him. He's not the best, but he's he's a good little run blocker. Over on the right-hand side, Austin Corbett's interesting. He came over from the L.A. Rams coming off of a Super Bowl win. Very exciting pickup for Carolina. i got no problem with that. Phenomenal pass rush block guard. The problem I have here is the same that I have with Christensen on the left side. He's not the biggest dude. He's not the strongest dude. Neither one of these guards are going to be exceptional at creating running lanes. And for a team that I would love to see run the football now, not with McCaffrey, with Chuba Hubbard. I would love guards who are a little bit more adept at creating running lanes. And we all know what Taylor is on the right side. When it comes down to it, it's a it's an average to above average offensive line that I think is gonna be very middle of the pack run blocking, but I think they could be better pass blocking. So that means that Carolina, in my opinion, though, needs Baker Mayfield, needs the offense to be able to throw the ball well to set up the run. Most of the time, I want to run to set up the pass. Carolina's gonna have to have more. Anderson, and i'll tell you who i think the third wide receiver is going to be at the end of the year and it may surprise you we'll get to that here in just a minute but i need them to be able to work the quick pass offense to create a situation where linebackers and corner men into the box and overwhelming a talented pass block but a lackluster run blocking offensive line
1: all right for for a few years now panther fans i've been one of them have yelled and screamed when it was draft time, please bring in a lineman, bring in someone that can help these guys stay upright. And you go out and you get Icky Kwano. And everyone was so excited about that, including me. Dude has got the potential to be really, really good. Um, and the other thing is, as a, a former lineman myself, I realize, and maybe some of you don't, how important that the, the line's more important than than you know the quarterback, the running back, <laughs> the receivers, the line's the most important thing. You know why? Because that quarterback, that running back, those receivers, they count on these guys to be the front line. That's what the line is, to uh to keep them upright, to keep the defenders off of them. I would say that this offensive line is a lot better than last year's oh, offensive yeah. line. And the Panthers still ran the ball pretty well with that offensive line last year. With this one, I think they got better opportunities. And I get what you're saying about Christian McCaffrey. You want to keep him healthy. You don't want to run him up the middle a bunch. We still need to run him up there some. And I I think these guys are good enough to open up some holes for the running back, uh, for whichever running back's in there, to keep things honest. And most importantly, these guys are going to keep Baker Mayfield upright so he has time to scan the field and one thing we've been able to see is how many times he's been able to check down in in the preseason if he can do that in a regular season uh I think this line's going to be good enough
0: yeah good enough is what we're going for here right like good enough is is what we're going for in this spot I I I don't think they're a dominant run blocking team McCaffrey's interesting right like we know the health concerns They're, they're not new I don't want to see him in a power run game. I mean, you may have to do it every now and then to keep defenses honest, right? If you run a one-back set with 22 back there, the one thing you can't do is allow defenses to, 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 to fade out wide because you know that's where McCaffrey's going. You may have to throw him up the middle. You may have to also go with some two-back sets, right? You may have to go with some two-back sets in order to balance it out a little bit. Either way, I don't trust the offensive line to open up the type of running lanes that I would prefer with Christian McCaffrey versus Chuba Hubbard back there, but I also don't want to get to the point where I'm telegraphing what style game I'm playing where uh, Chuba Hubbard is running between tackles exclusively. And Christian McCaffrey is running outside tackles exclusively. I don't want to telegraph that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Matt Rule develops this offense as we see the offensive line, specifically on the left side, grow through those growing pains. But I do think that they are good enough to give Baker Mayfield time to develop, to get into a rhythm with his his wide receiver court. Speaking of wide receivers, let's get into the wide receiver core just a little bit. And, and and speaking of wide receivers and Baker, I'll start with this. Now this happened about a week ago. So it's, it's, it's been a little stale, but I did want to talk about it because I think it is important. There were two primary critics of Baker Mayfield regarding Carolina before Baker became the quarterback at Carolina. Number one was Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator. And number two was Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver. Now, Most of McAdoo's criticisms came from back when Baker was coming out of college and heading into the draft. And most of McAdoo's criticisms were about his physical game, right? He's undersized and he's got small hands, but being undersized and having small hands is not something that cannot be overcome. Drew Brees was labeled the same guy. And we all know exactly what Drew Brees was in this division for as long as he was it in this division. McAdoo has walked that back. He said Baker's, you know, he's the mentality's there. He's been a leader, et cetera, et cetera, has been praising him excessively. And so is Robbie Anderson. Remember back before Baker got here, when the trade rumors started popping out that Carolina would be in the mix for Baker Mayfield, Well, Robbie Anderson went on Twitter and I believe at one point just tweeted, No. Like retweeted a tweet about Baker Mayfield moving to Charlotte and was like, no, I don't want the guy. I don't want to play with that guy. Robbie at one point was sending out some cryptic tweets talking about retirement if Baker Mayfield showed up in Charlotte. Well... Baker Mayfield has showed up at Charlotte, and Robbie Anderson has not retired. In fact, quite the opposite, he has been complimentary of Baker. He said, quote, he's smart, he's picked up the offense, I like his energy a lot, I like that a lot about him, his leadership, his confidence, end quote. Now, the gut reaction I had to that was, yeah, of course a wide receiver is going to talk up his quarterback. Duh, right? Like, obviously he's going to do it. But it's one thing to talk somebody up that you have to talk up. And the vibe goes out that you have to talk that guy up, right? It's like when a lot of guys talk up their manager work. Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Is he or does he sign your paycheck, right? There's a difference. But in listening to Robbie talk about Baker, I almost get the impression Baker's kind of won the guy over a little bit. And it would make sense because not only has Baker shown these things, which is why he's QB1 now, but on top of that, Baker and Robbie Anderson seem to be working really well together in preseason camp heading towards the preseason. We'll get an opportunity this Friday to find out if they've developed game time chemistry because while all the starters sat in the second preseason game against New England, it's shaping up to look like Matt Rule is going to play as starters for at least one quarter in the third game of the preseason. So we may finally get to see some full speed action with Robbie Anderson and Baker Mayfield that's got some quantity and quality to it. Of course, a wide receiver is going to talk up his quarterback, though. But the fact that Robbie and and Baker have seemed to be on the same page and Robbie is going above and beyond to uh, to, to to compliment as opposed to critique by, by giving more than no, like he did on Twitter that day, I think Baker's won these guys over. I think the leadership has shined through. I think the personality has shined through. And I'm very happy to see that at least – Outwardly, at least at a surface level, Baker and the wide receiver, of course, seem to be on the same page.
1: Well, the thing is with today, with social media and how things are, you I, I mean, you get a picture painted by the loudest voices, which usually are pretty negative. And so, and you may hear some grumblings from from some guys on a team, but until that guy's in front of you and throwing you the ball, that's the only thing that you know. And now that he's, there, and you know, Baker could have came to camp and just never thrown the ball to to Robbie Anderson because I'm sure he heard the same things that, that Robbie Anderson said, and he didn't do that. He's been spreading the ball around to all the guys. All the receivers seem to be really happy with him. The true test on this is if Robbie Anderson's really, really cool with Baker Mayfield, it's probably like five, six games into the season because receivers tend to be divi, uh, diva-ish. Not a word, but it is now. And uh, when, when the divas don't get what they want, they, they, uh, they speak up. I don't think that's going to be the case. Because from what we've seen, Baker loves to spread the ball around. I think there's going to be enough balls for everybody, and uh, I think uh, Robbie Anderson is going to be really happy by the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I think that might be the nice thing about having a new quarterback with the new wide receiver core, is Baker doesn't have favorites to play, right? Like in other cities where quarterbacks are there and established for a while, they're they're going to develop favorites, and they're they're sometimes going to telegraph that. He doesn't have that. I mean, he's got to make it. I, I do don't think with the his
1: favorite's going to be the guy that's open.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I. I think you're exactly right. Uh, let me give you real quick before we wrap this thing up by by kind of taking an overall gander at where we are in the preseason. Shy Smith, former University of South Carolina game clock. I'm really intrigued by Shy Smith and what his role can be. He also he
1: went to high school in Union, which is in the area that we uh, are yeah, right we We're broadcasting course. from. Got to cover him a little bit in high school. Was really excited when he went uh, to the Gamecocks. Played really well there. And now Matt Rule is saying uh, not only is he going to play, he's got a shot to be a starter.
0: Yeah. I, I honestly believe there is a chance. I think that shy Smith could be a fantastic role wide receiver right now. I don't think he's going to unseat DJ Moore, or Robbie Anderson as top two, but I think he's got every possibility of being wide receiver three. Now it's interesting because Terrence Marshall jr. Out of LSU is still there. We've seen him get busted up a couple of times. He's got to get back to full health, but shy Smith is kind of interesting. Number one, the guy's got the opportunity, got the ability, I should say, a ton of circus catches out of the guy. But he is—he's rock steady in terms of production. He's absolutely reliable. If you put press coverage on Shai Smith, he is going to break press coverage consistently. He has drastically improved his route running. The dude does not quit, man. You—we hear that high motor guy phrase all the time. Dude's got a high motor. He maintains play speed even if the ball's not coming to him, which means that he's keeping DBs on his route even if the play is not designed to get to him. And he's a phenomenal, phenomenal overall utility receiver. He's also got a ton of speed. He's got a ton of speed. He's got the ability to break things wide open. And if and when he does, he becomes very dangerous. I am not saying that Shai Smith is going to become a top two wide receiver on this team. But I absolutely believe that Shy Smith could play a role that would allow Baker Mayfield to have a reliable third option. A third option he can trust. Again, you can't throw it 10 yards over his head and have him make a Superman catch. But if you can get the ball close to him, he is consistent. We saw Shy at South Carolina very closely. Lonzo and I down here in Greenville, we're about an hour and 30 minutes. We've been to Columbia games to watch Shy play. He is reliable. He is consistent. He is quick. I got to tell you, I think there's a very good chance that by the end of the season, we could be looking at Shy Smith as one of the undiscovered jewels in the league and be a big benefit to Baker and Matt Rule.
1: I am very excited about Shai Smith and the role that he's going to play. You know who else is really excited about Shai Smith and how he's coming on? Christian McCaffrey. This is Christian McCaffrey's best friend because Shai Smith can be that outlet guy. Where it has been Christian McCaffrey, you don't have to throw as many balls Christian's way not that that's a bad thing. That's a good thing. What he can do with the ball afterwards, but with Shy out there, if, especially if you put him in the slot, then you can protect Christian McCaffrey a little bit more. Christian McCaffrey doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense, which he has been in the past and has been probably one of the the major catalysts to getting him hurt. You get Shy Smith out there and, and how versatile he is, not only on that but also on special teams. This guy is going to open some things up more for for Christian McCaffrey and be able to spell him to where he can be out there in spots and people might actually forget that he's out there.
0: All right, let's wrap this bad boy up by talking a little bit about where we stand In the preseason so far, we have seen two games so far. We saw them opening up with the Washington Commanders. We saw last week the loss to the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, I I will start by saying this. I know a lot of people did not love what they saw out of the joint practices with the Patriots. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, Lonzo, but I am going to say... I love the fight of this team. I love the fight of this team. I love that they were willing to quite literally fight the New England Patriots. At one point, Christian McCaffrey gets knocked down. He believed out of bounds and late. Patriots dispute that, whatever. He came up and the boys were ready to go. We had guys getting tossed out of practice because of it. I love that there's an aggression in this team. I love that there's a fire in this team. I love you, that you this team's ready to go. This
1: is a Panther podcast, so I have no problem with saying that the Patriots were being bullies. <laughs> And the Panthers stood up to him because the Panthers kind of have a reputation right now that they're not going to be that good and that they're going to lie down, and they didn't do that. And I think there's nothing wrong with getting up in someone's face when they're getting up in yours. And that's showing that they're not going to back down. And uh, you didn't see it in the preseason game, by the way. This was only in practice. The preseason game was fine. Be disciplined. So, So when it counts, they were disciplined. When they needed to stand up and show who they were, they did.
0: Yeah, it's like I said, I, I, I like a time it's willing to fight, right? Like usually there's not much respect for teams that are towards the bottom of the league. And unfortunately, after last year, the, the Panthers are. The Patriots, on the other hand, are known for being a team that doesn't have a lot of respect for anybody. So when they started disrespecting Carolina, Carolina got back up in their face and said, no, we're, we're not good with that. We're not okay with that. And I appreciated that. I like that. I respected that. I, that's fantastic. Now they did go out and lose to the Patriots. Let me say this real quick preseason scores don't matter. Preseason does, right? Preseason scores don't matter preseason does. If you lose a game like that, close game like that at the end of the at the end of the game, that's okay. The one reason that you'll see a lot of coaches look like they're coaching for their lives at the end of a preseason game, it's not so much because the result matters so much as a, as a, it's an opportunity for these guys to put Active roster guys in there or guys trying to make the after roster in a high pressure situation in front of fans under the lights in front of uh, or underneath the music, etc. And to see what they're going to do when when feet hit the fire. Right. I mean, if you go out there and there's a buck 20 left and you're down four, while the preseason result doesn't matter. The play on the field as if it is a real game, does matter. That's a that's a spot where guys are going to make or lose roster spots off of. That's a spot where a coach is going to learn a little bit about the metal of his team. Heck, if you go out there in the preseason and you got three games that are close and you blow it, and then you get into regular season week two and you're down four with a minute and a half to go, like, it may change the way that a coach evaluates his team and pushes his team late in the game. So I'm not so much worried about losses like to the commanders in week 1 a game that was that was an exceptionally good game and the panthers gutted that one out a 23-21 victory i'm not so much worried about the patriots late in the half dominating this th- that game last week and especially considering the panthers were going with with their number 2s to open and stay that way all the way through I am intrigued to see what we see this week out of the Bills versus Panthers game. You are going to get the starters. Likely for one quarter, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a couple series into it. The results don't matter. What we see on the field does, Lonzo. Your thoughts on what this team looks like as a team through two weeks, heading into week three of the preseason,
1: I think they look pretty good right now. We, we're not going to know what we really got until we actually see the starters out there. That's why this preseason game is pretty important to uh, to see what Baker does as the known starter. He doesn't have to share reps now. He's getting all the number one reps through the entire practice. Uh, he said yesterday, I think it was that they're that they are. Looking at this week like a regular game week. Everything is set up how it would be if they were uh, it was in the regular season. So trying to get those patterns down and all that kind of things. You do this on this day, that type of stuff. Because each team is a little bit different. Uh, they're, they're treating this like a real game. They're going to come out and try to play this like a real game. Really excited for that. And I, I think they're going to do well. And the question is... Who's Buffalo playing? Are they playing all their guys? Hopefully they are, at least in the first quarter, so you get your ones going up against your ones against a team that seemingly has been anointed as the Super Bowl champion before we (laughs) played one single game. Buffalo's good. I mean, there's no there's no denying that. They're really good. So if you play against their ones and a defense is able to hold their own against Josh Allen and those guys and a defense for Buffalo, that's really good. And a Baker is able to go out there. He and CMC and all the receivers and all the guys are able to go out there and score some points. I think that's a really good sign for uh, the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, the evaluation we've got is we know who we're going to cut down to 80. We know who we're going to go down to the 53 for the most part. couple of question marks. Uh, Deontay is on that list, et cetera. That I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. But we, we we know the starter. That's good. We know who the starting offensive line is now. That's been developed. That's good. We didn't really have questions about the running back situation. We didn't really have questions uh, about most of the defense. You've seen who the spot duty guys are and the nickelback guys are. So I think that's good. Week three of the preseason, you're right. I just want to see you trot out the starters against Buffalo. And, and and week one and two for me, show me that you know how to execute the offense. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't need to be spectacular. It doesn't need to be performances that we're talking about. Oh, God, we're ready for the regular season now. Just show me you know the playbook under Ben McAdoo. And I think we've done that through two weeks now in week three against a good Buffalo team that, by the way, Lonzo's right, is the Vegas odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl at 6-1. to one. Show me that you now have mastery over it. And if you can do that, you're going to be just fine. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for downloading the very first episode of Views from Mint Street. We'll have two more for you next week. We'll have another one that will drop on Friday to break down the Carolina v. Buffalo game and then starting week one, three podcasts a week. So Do us a favor. Make sure you are subscribed on Google Play, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. Keep pounding, baby. We'll see you back here next time on Views from from Mitch Street.